If you don't know what season of American Idol is airing, but you know when opening day of the main cryptology museum is. If you're anxiously awaiting for your Micronation application to be approved. Then you're in the right place. This is Strange Shenanigans. I'm Stan. I'm Ashley. And we're coming at you with an episode about uh, a couple of things. What, what are you talking about today, Ashley? I'm talking about the Wood Island Lighthouse of Maine. I'm talking about one of Maine's very few serial killers, uh, James Hicks. Well, I guess it's good that you said very few serial right? killers rather than like one of our many. There were so many, I had to <laughs> yes. put them all in a hat and pick it. Pick one, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> now, historically, Maine's a lot more violent than it is in current day. Which Comforting. is surprisingly, right? <laughs> Who's gonna, you want me to start us off, or are you going to start us off? You can start us off with some cereal killer mania cereal while I enjoy mania. my peppermint tea. Gross. Everyone else listening is drinking peppermint tea, too, I bet. Okay. On July 19, 1977, Jenny Lynn Hicks, 22, is missing from her home in Carmel, Maine. October 16, 1982, Maine residence, Geraldine Towers, leaves a bar never to be seen again. On May 26, 1996, Maine resident Lynn Willette is reported missing. And on April 8, 2000, all those things are answered when, after moving to Livland, uh, Texas, James Hicks allegedly attempts to rob a, a Lubbock woman. So James... He sounds like a nice guy. James got away with a lot of bullshit for a very long time. Hicks is, is, is this is his second conviction because they couldn't get anything to stick to him. Hmm. Hicks was convicted in Texas of holding a gun to the head of a six-year-old woman, forcing her to write a check to him and sign it over the title of her car, and then write a suicide note. He planned to drug, drug and drown the woman to make it look like a suicide. Oh. But she somehow managed to escape... When he was convicted to 55 years in prison, Hicks asked to cut a deal with the authorities in Maine because he didn't want to be in jail in Texas and go to court in Texas. <laughs> yeah, where, not in Texas. Uh, Maine doesn't have the death penalty. So, with that, with that agreed upon, he finally admitted where he, he killed and buried the other three women. Ooh. That the police knew... Pretty surely that it was him, but could not ever compile the evidence of it. Jeez. <clears throat> so, uh, Hicks's first murder was of uh, Jenny Lynn Hicks, his wife. Aww. Um, And Jenny Lynn Hicks was murdered, never found. And Hicks was not arrested for a murder until 1983 and was convicted in 1984. Before his arrest, uh, Towers went missing and disappeared after leaving a uh, Newport bar with him. The police investigation into Towers' disappearance is what prompted them to re-examine the Jenny Hicks case, and they were actually able to find enough to stick a fourth-degree murder charge on him for his wife's murder. But they still did not find Towers or any evidence of what happened to Towers other than that she left with him. How long is jail time for fourth degree murder? It's not very fucking like, long. So on that's November first, uh, he uh, he he serves uh, ten years in prison uh, for killing his first wife, 
who uh, who disappeared in 1977, and uh, he only actually ends up serving six of the ten years after his sentencing. And after he's released, he immediately goes out and finds other people to hurt. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, after his release from prison in the 1990, in 1990, Hicks met 40-year-old Willett of Orrington, with whom he worked at Twin City Motel and Brewer. The two eventually lived together at a South Main Street apartment where Hicks now claims he killed Willett 26th of May, 1996. Though also suspected in her disappearance, Hicks was never charged with her death because of a lack of evidence. That is until he was handed the 55-year sentence in Texas in which he confessed to the three killings and led authorities to their bodies. Oh. Back in Maine, Hicks located the remains of his three victims after two days of digging around his former home in Etna. At several roadside sites in Aroostook County, Maine, the remains of his former wife, Towers, were found 100 feet apart next to the home where he grew up. Willett's remains were found in concrete buckets buried next to the road in Aroostook County. Apparently, all the bodies were dismembered in some parts he alleged allegedly tossed into the nearby river. Oh. So, this actually is one of the biggest cases in the 90s of uh, using DNA and dental records to identify people so that they could make sure that these were the actual right women and that they hadn't killed more friggin' people. Right, he wasn't just and, making it up. Yeah. So, uh, the, the only way they were able to identify all these victims was detailed main dental records and a uh, forensic dentistry team. Jeez. Yep. So, uh, a little bit a little bit of the story. Um, Hicks was living with his current li- wife, Brandy, in Leveland when he was arrested in Texas for assaulting the elderly woman. Hicks forced Lovick to uh, write him a check. Uh, he intended for her to fall asleep, but she escaped. Uh, Hicks agreed to serve 55 years for the armed robbery of the woman. And then James Hicks pleaded guilty to robbery, told authorities he was responsible for the three deaths. This dude was like all over the map. Like, he didn't care for, what, 40 years that he had murdered these women and had hit it pretty well yeah and i think his only the only thing that brought him brought it to light was his fear of the texas justice system (laughs) and even though he he was only sentenced to 55 years he got life imprisonment in maine for the other murders so i don't think it was that he was scared of the death penalty in texas i think there was someone in the jail in texas that he was scared of yes yeah, i haven't been able like. to narrow that down who he was trying to avoid in texas but we can wildly speculate but we can wildly speculate <laughs> um hicks was uh finally convicted of all of all of his crimes by the year 2000 so it took from 1977 to the year 2000 to put this monster behind bars. And they knew he killed a woman in 1977. It took them till 1983 to put him behind bars for it, then promptly let him out. Six when they knew years. there were still missing bodies out there, and he went and tried to kill more people. That's crazy, though, that he only had to serve six years for being convicted of killing somebody. Right? That's, That's insanity. Like 
people have sat in jail longer for pot. Yeah, for for a, a second marijuana offense. Like that's just I you don't know? know that baffles my mind. It does. It it's it's insane that the fact that you know for main state tax evasion you could get more time than for murdering your wife. I just I don't know that baffles my brain. <clears throat> I don't right. understand that. So he's still sitting there rotten in prison to this day, as far as I know, um, and. He's never getting out. Unfortunately, Mean doesn't have the death penalty. That <laughs> notice that, everybody. He said, "Unfortunately." Unfortunately, that's my personal <laughs> opinion. Obviously, I don't want to, you know, put that on anybody else. But this is the sort of man that does not deserve to continue even to live some modicum of a life, especially in a main state prison. That's it's not like it's San Quentin, you know. <laughs> Eesh, what a monster. I think uh, from this point forward, we're gonna we've wanted to keep the our stories kind of national and broad spectrum. But I do think w- with this story and some of our other main stories, we're gonna introduce a little bit of a strange in main segment for every once in a while, so that you can get some in depth uh, analysis from actual people on the ground. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna come right back at you with Ashley's stories. What you got for us, Ashley? The Wood Island Lighthouse of Maine. Ooh, lighthouses. Yeah. story of the Wood Island Lighthouse. I know. You might be wondering why we're talking about a lighthouse because that's not a strange shenanigan, right? This one's a pretty strange shenanigan. Wood Island Lighthouse is located in Saco Bay in southern Maine. It is a beautiful historic landmark and one of our oldest lighthouses. It is also on numerous lists as one of Maine's most haunted buildings. This isn't another Colonel Buck story or a tale of a Maine wild man. This lighthouse isn't owned by a desperate guy trying to make an extra buck at the expense of a local family. It is home to a tragic tale. Frederick Milliken lived on Wood Island with his family and Thomas Orcutt, who was the lighthouse keeper of Wood Island from 1886 to 1905. Frederick and Thomas often worked together and Fred always lent a helping hand and help when needed at the lighthouse. He also served as the part-time sheriff of the island. The family was a respected and loved family in the tiny community. Frederick was a big man known as the gentle giant, giant of the island, and he and his wife were always giving back when they could. One day, two drifters, Howard Hobbs and William Moses, came to the Wooden Island Lighthouse to look for a place to live. They noticed the chicken coop was empty. William and Howard met with Thomas and they worked out an agreement for the two men to rent out the chicken coop. Unbeknownst to Frederick and his wife, William and Howard were well known at the mainland bars. William and Howard would often be gone for days at a time and come back drunk and full force. They would also not be seen leaving the chicken coop, assuming they were drunk or sleeping it off for days on end. 
But in June 1896, the two men came back from a drinking escapade. Frederick, not knowing that they were drunk at the moment, saw that Howard and William were finally back and went after them. They hadn't paid rent, and he wanted to address it. He invited the men over to his home to make a plan. Howard and William met with Frederick in his home, but Howard brought a rifle with him and decided to start arguing with Frederick the second he came into the home. Fred, seeing that Howard was drunk, tried to convince him to give him the rifle. Howard said the rifle wasn't loaded and he was overreacting. He started waving it around, proving his point, and went back to yelling about the rent. Frederick's wife took the children to the other side of the house and all of this and started to come back into the room. On her way back to returning, she saw her husband reach to take the rifle away and Howard pulled the trigger and shot her husband in the stomach. Even William was taken aback and managed to barely sober up enough to help Frederick's wife carry him out and try to get to the lighthouse keeper, Thomas. Howard ran ahead, still holding the rifle, and went to get Thomas. Thomas got to Frederick, but not in time to help at all. Frederick died from his wounds in under an hour, and they didn't even have the opportunity to try to get him to the mainland. Thomas, the lighthouse keeper, told Howard that he needed to turn himself in. William agreed and knew that they needed to go to the mainland or find the other part-time sheriff of the island. Howard had other ideas, though. He wasn't going to turn himself in, and he was devastated that he had just killed Frederick, a beloved husband, father, and community member, and the local sheriff. Howard ran off to the chicken coop he was living in and shot himself in the head. Oof. Thomas, the lighthouse keeper, was left to help the widow and deal with the tragedy that just occurred. But Thomas stayed on as lighthouse keeper until 1905, pretty alone since no one went back into the former home of the Millikens. After Thomas, Charles Burt came to Wood Island to become the next lighthouse keeper. He worked as a lighthouse keeper for about 10 years before the job drove him to insanity. He reported seeing ghosts, hearing voices, and being chased through the lighthouse. He would leave the lighthouse and take breaks from dealing with the paranormal trauma that he was going through. But taking breaks wasn't enough for Charles. He went to a boarding house on the mainland and took a room on the top floor. That very night he checked in, he went upstairs and jumped out the window. Jesus. Teresa Lowell lived on Wood Island in the 80s. She claimed there are plenty of spirits there. She says she remembers hearing voices on different parts of the island and in one of the buildings. She also said she saw a ghost right in her bedroom closet, and they moved not long after. After Charles killed himself, looking at the record of lighthouse keepers on Wood Island, no one stayed for long periods of time. The longest was just barely seven years. A dramatic change considering all the other lighthouse keepers stayed for 10 plus years on the island. Its location was appealing since you could travel easily and other people lived on the island making it less secluded. Locals, even down to the Friends of Wood Island Lighthouse, have seen shadows or heard voices. The Friends of Wood Island Lighthouse have decided to embrace it, using the hauntings to their advantage for fundraising efforts to preserve the lighthouse and raise money for needed renovations. Many investigations by local and national ghost teams have occurred, all with the same conclusion that the lighthouse is a haunted. 
And while I would love to assume all of these findings are true, I do believe this lighthouse will not be the home of my next sleepover. (laughs) I'll take ghost hunters with a grain of salt most of the time, but when the locals since the 1910s have spent 100 years now cautioning people of sounds, shadows, presences, and full-on ghosts, that's enough facts for me to believe to not hang around the Wood Island Lighthouse. That's pretty. That's a pretty shocking story. I have never heard that one either. Yeah, one. Yeah. It's like our fourth <clears throat> oldest lighthouse, and it's still standing. Yeah, we might have no to do one's a, hanging out there. Do a live on location one day. Yeah, we're not staying all night. I'll <laughs> no. tell you that right now. Mm-mm. Not oh. taking the risk. <laughs> Okay, so uh, speaking of islands in Maine, we'll be right back at you with another story from another island in Maine. Oh, man. Okay, welcome back. This is the story of the Smutty Nose Murders. The island is best known for the Smutty Nose Murders, as also known as the Isle of Shoals Murders, a sensational crime which occurred on March 6, 1873. The island itself uh, is right near the border of New Hampshire and, and Maine, but we count it because it's closer to us. Yep, that's all it takes. The crime. Three Norwegian immigrant women uh, were alone overnight in the only occupied house on the island, which belonged to Marin and her husband, John. Shortly after 1 a.m., the three women were awakened by an intruder who beat and strangled Karen to death and used Huntovit's own axe to kill a second woman. Marin was able to escape through a window and hid among the rocks until daybreak when she made her way over to a breakwater and signaled to a neighboring island for help. Marin Hovitt identified Louis Wagner, a German-born fisherman who had once worked on her husband's fishing boat and been a boarder in their home as the killer. In addition to Marin's eyewitness identification, there was a great deal of circumstantial evidence against Wagner. Wagner's boots matched the bloody prints found on Smutty Nose Island, and a bloody shirt was hidden in the outhouse of his Portsmouth boarding house, the morning after the murders. His landlady, Mrs. Johnson, and her daughter both testified that they had seen Wagner carrying a bundle to the outhouse. Ms. Jonathan identified the bloody shirt as one she had often wandered and pressed for Wagner. Ms. Johnson also testified that another man had spent the night on the boarding house downstairs sofa where Wagner claimed to have slept the night that she had seen Wagner arrive home at about 7 a.m. wet and disheveled. Hmm. Wagner purchased new clothes later that day with the same amount of cash stolen from the haunt of it house, although he had been too broke to pay his rent the day before. Among the coins found in his pockets when he was arrested the day after the murders was a button which Marin testified she had given Karen from her sewing box and seen Karen place in her coin purse. Witnesses testified they had seen a him rowing a wooden dory several hours after the murders and a stolen dory that was found on shore near where he had been seen had its newly replaced thole pins worn down. Thole pins is where the uh, oars actually cut into the boat where you're rowing. So there was all this evidence against this guy right off the bat. 
And there it seems to like be that. no real motive. I mean, $15 isn't motive to murder someone, even in that time frame. No, not really. Not in any time frame. Right. But you look at these stories in Maine, and there's so many of them on the coast of Maine and the islands of Maine. You get your ghost stories, you get your cryptid stories, you get your murder stories. <laughs> they all seem to cir circulate around the coast of Maine. Maybe the coast just drives you crazy. <laughs> right? Maybe that's it. I mean, we're up north. We're in the woods. We don't know. <laughs> right? We don't have any of that salty sea air. Maybe the sea air turns you nuts. Right? <laughs> so it 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 appears that he literally just returned there because he knew there was it was a place he'd been before and that he thought it was unlikely he'd get caught. And to just go to such violent extremes over chump change just it blows my mind. Yeah, I mean I get even then fifteen dollars was like a lot, but it wasn't like murder. Right. A lot. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Well, I think that's all we have for you today, folks. So I hope we inspired you to come travel to Maine. Right. <laughs> come visit us for the Axe Murders and Ghosts. <laughs> you can find us on Patreon and Instagram and TikTok, all at Strange Shenanigans. You can find us on the YouTube at The Strange Show. You could be our first view, so please go there. You can also find us on Twitter and Podbean and The Strange Show. Keep it strange, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>